Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at thegoldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill and welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. Global anxiety is heightened from unknowns created by the pandemic, lockdowns, financial and job instability, the Russian invasion, and more. This is hard on everyone, but it makes those with high-conflict personality even more high-conflict. HCPs, or high-conflict personalities, are dividers by nature. So the increased anxiety makes them even more divisive, hostile, and blaming in business and in families. Conflict and toxicity is out of control these past few years, which makes it imperative for businesses and families to understand high-conflict personalities and how to handle them. My guest today is Megan Hunter, who has an MBA and is the co-founder and CEO of the High Conflict Institute in San Diego, California. And she is partnered with an author and speaker, licensed clinical social worker and lawyer named Bill Eddy, who developed the high-conflict personality theory. Megan has presented to groups in the U.S. and seven countries since 2006 on handling high-conflict people at work, in legal disputes, in government, and at home. She is founder and publisher of Unhooked Books in Scottsdale, Arizona. Welcome to the show today, Megan. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I'm really happy to be on your show. Yeah, so... uh, For those who are watching on video, you can see the High Conflict Institute logo behind you. That's quite a place uh, to be in the business world. Um, You must deal with some very interesting cases. We do. And, you know, our background started with family law. And then it turned out that the people that were really causing a lot of trouble and and, uh, divisiveness and uh, a lot of business for the courts in family law also have jobs. So (laughs) they were kind of taking these same uh, personality traits and divisiveness and conflict into the workplace. So we've, you know, that's how we ended up there. So let's start with explaining to listeners what is a high conflict personality? What are the different types of high conflict personalities? So it's it's interesting because you know the the term conflict we know is you know kind of negative and there there's a lot of conflict training available and people have um, taken the training they've developed their own innate skills right to handle conflict but if you think about that one person uh, who 
you really get stuck with or get really frustrated by and can't seem to get anywhere with them. It's, it's kind of like, you know, every best effort you've used with everyone else, you suddenly can't use with this person and they really get under your skin. So um, that's what this high conflict personality is. By definition, it's, it's not a diagnosis. It's actually a pattern of kind of a description of a pattern of behavior of high conflict behavior. So it's comprised of four things, four characteristics. So it's, it's someone who repeatedly consistently blames. They really focus on the target of blame. They're very all or nothing in their thinking and their solutions. It's just my way or the highway, all good, all bad. You're my friend or you're my enemy. Um, you're going on the bad list now. <laughs> um, and then unmanaged emotions and extreme behaviors, things that 90% of other people would never do. So if you've been around someone like that, uh, you, you, you usually know it because you're frustrated <clears throat> by the chaos and uh, and you're exhausted. Yeah. So um, this is stuff I'm quite familiar with, having studied psychology and having been influenced by some of this personally uh, with people around me who are close to me. Um, it all looks like basically some version of a personality disorder. Uh, and let's just talk in terms of layman's language. What is it? What is it? Uh, how does it present itself? I, I imagine that for most people, they can say, well, he gets really angry really fast. I can't talk to him about that. Or um, or she, or I've heard this, you know, be careful because she gets upset. and You know, you can drive her to tears really fast. Right. Um, or they seem like they seem bipolar in their behavior. And most people who use bipolar have no understanding of the actual clinical definition, I'm sure. But these are the, I mean, what else are you seeing in terms of how it presents itself in a workplace? Uh, you're spot on with the bipolar. We hear that so often. It, and it seems that anything that's outside the norm of, of behavior is labeled as bipolar because it's what people know. That's all they, they don't really know. Like you said, they don't know the clinical definition, but it's just, it's outside the norm. Although the last 10 years or so, uh, one of the disorders, borderline personality disorder, um, has gotten a lot more attention and uh and then narcissistic personality disorder is trending of late and i see like the antisocial sociopath <laughs> uh trending lately so but our work is is grounded in uh five personality disorder types and it's borderline narcissistic histrionic paranoid and antisocial um antisocial not meaning the guy that stands in the back of the room at a party but antisocial as in sociopath that's kind of used synonymously and it, it's kind of hard for most people i think to understand what a personality disorder is and so i just have a very different way of describing it um and, and i need to preface it with this not everyone with one of these personality disorder types is a high conflict personality it's when they have that with blame also it's blame is kind of that distinguishing feature so I don't want anyone to go away thinking that, you know, if they know someone with borderline personality, that this is, you know, that they are high conflict. Some are not. But uh, so they these five types, um, they just they I look at, the, at at them as having an operating system. 
And it's programmed with rules that are different than most everyone else's rules. The problem from the outside is we don't know this. <laughs> There's not, not, no one's walking around with a sign saying, hey, I'm you know, pretty, going to be pretty challenging for you because you don't know my rules. So once we know the rules, it, it gets a lot easier. But um, essentially they have, I, I describe these as relationship disorders. Whereas you know, bipolar, you're going to see, and some of the other um, disorders like that, like schizophrenia and those types, um, they also cause relationship disruptions. However, uh, there's something else going on. With pr these personality disorders, they are um, they're, they're wired differently. And it's usually, you know, a combination of either, you know, some genetics, some trauma, attachment, disruptions, things like that. So they've, they've been developing this wiring through their whole lives. And it causes them to have struggles in relationships because <clears throat> they don't stop themselves where other people will, right? So I was just speaking to um, a friend last night whose who's chi adult child uh, got into a fight with her, her hu own husband. And they have a young child, you know, a little baby and a couple of other uh, uh, children, toddlers, and uh, this this uh, child got this daughter got very upset at her husband and really spun out of control, fighting, crying, and went and grabbed a pistol. Whoa! Right, the husband is ex-military. He uh, disassembled the pistol. Fortunately, she runs to the kitchen to get a knife out of the butcher block. Mm. All right. So I, he was able to disarm her and everything turned out okay. But I use that extreme example to show that high conflict personalities often do extreme things. They'll do things that 90% of other people don't do. And it's all very primal. It's, it's feels very natural and necessary and normal to them because mm. this is their operating system. And so, you know, it's driven by, the amygdala and the fear center and the things in their brains. And it, it, they just can't regulate that. And it takes those of us on the outside to help them with that because they just don't stop themselves. So let me ask you a question in a family business situation where um, one of the individuals in the family is a high conflict personality. Um, does he or she tend to, I don't know if the phrases grow into or grow out of the behavior because they, they come to recognize the patterns of what happens um do they like do these things go away with age do they get worse with age does it depend what what are your thoughts on this oh you have great questions jonathan <laughs> <laughs> so um I, personalities don't really change over time except for the malignant narcissist uh, narcissistic personality which you know the, the mere term malignant means growth and so they do seem to to get worse over time, where the other personalities seem to be set. All of us, our, our personalities are set and we we can get better and, you know, change some things, but, uh, you know, you kind of are who you are. Now, when we talk about these five personality types, there there's a real lack of insight, <laughs> like zero. So mm -hmm. if you were to ask me, you know, uh, well, you know, I do some of those things you're talking about, Megan. I have some of those behaviors. Am I high conflict? Well, my answer would be no, you're not, because you're having insight into your own behaviors. And mm -hmm. the true high conflict personality does not. And that's why I like to explain it as an operating system. You know, an iPhone doesn't know it has a different operating system than a, a 
an Android, right? Mm-hmm. They're just, right. This is how it's programmed and it's, it's just very normal and it's been growing your whole life or, you know, wired this way. So, so it just feels very normal. So if you were to tell someone that has these behaviors that, you know, you think they're high conflict or a high conflict personality or a narcissist, mm-hmm. they have no clue. They, they just don't, you know, no, they, they think it's everybody else because they, it's kind of hard to explain, but they really feel that forces from outside of themselves are causing them to feel all this anxiety internally. Right. When it's really their own internal distress that's creating this. So when they feel angry suddenly, like that person you're talking about, like, oh, you know, grandpa so-and-so is so he's just got a hot temper. He gets mm-hmm. upset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's really going on probably is this unregulated <laughs> personality and they can't stop themselves and they, they get, they get mad a lot and uh, don't control it. And then we just walk on eggshells around them. Yeah. Uh, and hence the book I read called stop walking on eggshells. Uh, I think by Randy Krieger, if I'm not mistaken. So, right. so um, I just want to back up for a second and just be clear. So we're focused on high conflict personalities. We're not focused on no, low conflict personalities. So someone with bipolar um, who is, and there's two types of bipolar, there's one and two, right? One, uh, one cycles really fast. So they can go real high and real happy and then real low and real depressed. And that can happen in a matter of hours uh, or days. Um, the other one is cycles really slowly and they can go into a three month, six month, you know, not leaving the room type of depression. These are not high conflict personalities types. Am I right? You're right. Although you can have overlap and there's research that shows that there's overlap often between bipolar and um, some personality disorder types. So you can have both and um, you know, then it's, it can be tricky. (laughs) Okay. All right. So now let's suppose that a business owner is recognizing that the behavior of one of their employees is off, um, but they're not really sure. Now, one of the things I teach them, and maybe you also teach them, is how to have a difficult conversation. There's a books written, uh, Radical Candor, uh, Crucial Conversations. Um, but having a difficult conversation is an important thing with any employee. But if you've got someone with a high conflict personality, this it's a game changer. It's a very difficult, the framework that I teach might not work with that person altogether. Um, so yeah. you know, how, how do we address these situations in, in real time with employees? Yeah, it is interesting because like I said, you know, the, we just don't know the rules to the operating system. And once we know those rules, we can communicate differently. It takes some practice and it's because we have our own defaults because as you and I talk, we just assume that each other can problem solve. Right? Right. And we're doing pretty good so far, right. um, but we're rational. We're rational. And right. so these are folks who can be rational in a business conversation. There's mm-hmm. no lack of intelligence or, sure. you know, skill or anything like that. But these the personality gets in the way when it comes to relationships. So basically, you know, it kind of goes like everything's going along fine. But when their fear like these are fear based operating systems. Okay, so let's say for the narcissistic personality, it's it's the fear of feeling inferior or feeling powerless. And there are different kinds of of narcissists, but we can kind of generally say it that way. So their default place 
is, well, first of all, our, all of our, all of us have a, a default of wanting to feel safe, right? When we're in a safe state, we're not feeling anxiety. When we feel anxiety, we want to get back to the safe space where we don't feel anxiety. So for this particular operating system, the, um, when the fear is, is activated. So fear of feeling inferior, that may happen by someone else getting praise or someone else getting a raise or someone else getting a project they wanted, whatever. Um, and it may not even be something that's real. It could be something per they perceived in their, their mind because of a tone of voice they hear or something like that. Um, then they, they immediately have this anxiety and they have to do whatever it takes to get back to their safe space, uh, their default. So what are they going to do to get back to being in, uh, to feeling superior? They're going to put you down. They're going to knock you down. They're going to, you know, and these are the folks that might kiss up and kick down and they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to get there. So they'll, this is, this is why you see them getting in trouble. Um, the high conflict personality at work, because they'll do things that other people wouldn't do either to get to the top or to, you know, they might lie to cover up something or, you know, they're, they're just, some types are wearing out the carpet to the HR office, right? Every time something doesn't go their way, the way it's they're programmed for it to work, it, they're going to march off and go complain to authority, either their manager or to HR, and they might be in a fit of tears or they might be really angry and they, they just don't stop themselves. Um, now, now, it isn't always some big, huge outburst. It can also be undermining behavior you know, more cold calculating type of, of behaviors and kind of get people that way. Mm. So these people are the ones who are most frequently put on performance improvement programs, PIPs. Um, these people are, imagine, have job histories that demonstrate that they don't stay in any one place for too long. Um, so lots of job hopping, I would imagine. Uh, do you see otherwise? No, I, I do. I mean, it's, I think it's it's probably more rare for them to stay in a, a, a job for a long period of time, but it depends on who is around them and what kind of pressure is being put on them. Right. So uh, like the book you mentioned, Stop Walking on Eggshells, a lot, like, high conflict people need others around them to set boundaries and set limits more than anyone else in the world. Yet we set the least limits and boundaries because we're walking on eggshells. Right. So, so if you're in a company and you say, you're like, why is this person still here? I've been watching them, you know, get away with stuff for years and they're dividers. They're not uniters. They're not team players. They're, you know, staying in the storm all the time. Oh, but you know, she's a high, high performer. So they keep her around. So there's that type and in a family business, uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty tough to get get them out. Right. Mm -hmm, sure. um, and that that can be a real train wreck. Um, so it's it, it's kind of a depends. But I would say the the high conflict person themselves, they, they'll get frustrated and they will move on quite a bit and um, go take their sunshine somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, well, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, you know, successful companies have well-defined organizational structures. They've got uh, well-defined processes that that people are that people follow. Um, they have uh, KPIs, metrics, scorecards where people are held accountable. And uh, this might be very difficult uh, for someone with a high conflict personality. Um, and they're maybe the ones who are first to go. It seems you know 
Um, what, so what, what kinds of things do you get called in to do and, uh, whether it's in family businesses or in government or in, you know, in the, in the legal world where there's disputes, um, what kinds of, what's an example of something you've been called in to work on and, um, and maybe share with us some of the, what you teach in your workshop. So we can have our listeners maybe start to apply something they can take away with someone who's their problem person? Yeah, good. That's a great, great question. Um, You know, a a lot of it is understanding, just having an understanding that some people are are truly different and they operate outside, excuse me, the norms of everyone else. And so it's, it's accepting and acknowledging that and uh, which is kind of that first step of having a paradigm shift so that you realize, okay, this person does not have the ability to adapt. And so I must adapt. So, you know, we'll get called by companies to, it's usually when there's some big toxic situation happening and it's, you know, everybody's just falling apart and the HR manager is like, I I don't know what to do here. It's just so toxic and nothing seems to be working or they, 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 we may be called because there's one person that's just, just destroying um, from within and the morale is killed. The, you know, there's a lot at stake, a lot on the line. Um, And so we help companies kind of figure out whether, you know, they can keep this person and learn to work with them. That means those around them having to adapt. That means having to put in place some pretty strong policies. And like you said, big organizations typically have these, although we've worked with some of the like major, major organizations that have changed their policies, uh, like an open door policy, mm-hmm. <laughs> once they realized uh, or got this information and training about high conflict personalities. Um, so a lot of those big companies will have have such uh, policies, but a lot of small businesses, as I'm sure you're familiar, they, yep. you know, they're busy and they don't have time to put that structure in family businesses, the same. So, um, you know, we'll go in and work with them. And I like to do a uh, do some training, uh, meet individually with different identified people, and um, then maybe do some coaching with them, train up the the management, look at the policies. And I like to do a mission statement to get, uh, you know, most companies do have a mission statement, although not all of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's really uh, a focused mission statement that helps you tie everything that an employee does into that mission. And it can, if they can't comply with that over (laughs) a period Mm -hmm. of time, Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, then they probably need to go because they're going to be, you know, it's like the law of diminishing returns, you know, how much, how much toxicity, how much morale depletion can you withstand, uh, you know, by keeping this person. So, you know, we help them decide whether it's time to let some people go, Uh, You know, there are some companies that will absolutely don't want high conflict people um, on their workforce. Others are willing to say, "Okay, let's let's um, try some coaching. So what we do is is um, we we either do the coaching ourselves or we teach like an HR manager or, you know, someone in HR or EAP um, how to use what we call a new ways for work method, um, which if you go back to those four characteristics I talked about in the beginning, the all or nothing thinking, unmanaged emotions, extreme behaviors, and focusing on a target of blame, we teach them the four opposite 
skills for the, from that. So how to have flexible thinking instead gotcha. of all or nothing, how right. to take responsibility instead of blame, mm-hmm. how to manage your emotions instead of, you know, run down the hall to the HR in tears, um, how to have, you know, manage your behaviors and not be so extreme. So it's really teaching them some new skills. It doesn't change their personality. It, it, you're, we're, not, we're not trying to do that. But if we're seeing that some people can learn these skills if they stick with it and, you know, are reminded <laughs> because we all have our default systems, right. but they can, they can learn. Right. Um, so question, question like, um, are any of these personality disorders uh, labeled as a disability or do you see that that's maybe something forthcoming and, and that people with these personality disorders might become a protected class, if you will? Interesting question. Um, I remember the first company that had me meet with their HR department just in a, you know, a kind of a discovery meeting. They wanted mm-hmm. to see what we had to offer. And mm-hmm. I was I was kind of new in this. So I, I went in with, you know, guns blazing like I would with, you know, our our core clients, which were family law. Mm-hmm. You know, family law is really familiar with, with high conflict cases, right? right? So um, <clears throat> they loved our work because it, it helped them make sense of their work and their world. Uh, but I went into this HR and there were about 20 people in there and I presented on personality disorders and they just sat there shocked. And the feedback later was, oh, we don't want employees having this kind of information out there because they'll all be claiming <laughs> some kind of right. disability and right. protective status. Right. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. You know, there's only one of the five types of personalities that we focus on that really gets some insight into their um, their difficulties. And that's the borderline personality. And there is a very effective treatment if they go to treatment and, and stick with it and they can get diagnosed out of that that disorder. Mm-hmm. The others, you know, I mean, like the narcissistic personality and so antisocial paranoid, they aren't going to therapy because they don't think they have a problem. Right. right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to have anybody tell me I have anything wrong with me. Exactly. So, so it, then it behooves the organization to really have to, you know, use, <clears throat> use some tight boundaries and limits and, you gosh, know, gosh, all that, you know, so, um, what we're talking about basically is helping people understand and handle interactions better with the 10% of people who cause close to hundred percent of disruption in businesses. Um, Do we know, is there any data, is anyone studying what the impact is um, in the business world or in organizations, the, the cost? I mean, I know there's tons of anecdotal stories about how one family member will destroy or disrupt a, you know, a family, a business or what have you, but what kind of data is there out there to support how many people have these types of mental illnesses and, you know, um, and aren't aware of it? Do we, any, yeah. any research you've done or aware well, of <clears throat> The data we rely on is not business specific, but it's personality disorder specific. And it came from, um, the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry, and it's been updated a couple of times. And it showed of these five personality disorder types that approximately 22, 23% of the U.S. population uh, would qualify for having one of these disorders. So it was like 6% narcissistic, 6% uh, borderline, 2% histrionic, um, I think it was about 3 or 4% 
antisocial. So, you, I mean, you think about that in a population of 330 million people, and it's a lot of people, you know, nearly, a, I, I, probably a quarter of the population. And I think we're seeing a an increase in disorders, uh, these types of disorders. And uh, because of, you know, role modeling and, and larger society and cultural, uh, the, you know, just the way things are going. Um, and a lot of trauma, <laughs> things like that. So it seems to be increasing. So I, let's say even 25%. Now, not all of those 25% will have, you know, a high conflict personality, but we've, you know, after 15 years of doing this work and, you know, and all many parts of the globe, we ask our audiences, you know, in your caseload, in your work, whether it's HR, mediation, court, government, business, wherever, um, you know, what would you say is, is the statistics? And, and it usually comes to about 80, 20. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the 10, 10% of that 20 that are half of that 20% that are, uh, really probably in this high conflict category. And now they're going to show up in family court. Everybody sure. else can sure. mediate, right? They're sure. going to show up in the HR office and, um, there, you're probably not going to see as many in an organization, a company of uh, profit, for-profit company, as you would in the court system, of course. But the HR, you know, department will be handling them. Mm. Mm. Boy, I don't know if I even want to ask this next question if it's going to get me into trouble. But uh, high-profile individuals that uh, our listeners would know and relate to, uh, are there people that? whose names get commonly thrown around, yeah. uh, you know, and should we name some names? So people have some reference points. I mean, sure. I can think of a few, I, I can think of a couple that maybe I, we shouldn't be talking about, but, um, but certainly like in the acting community, we know of people who are kind of go off the rails because um, we hear about them, at least if we're in Los Angeles and we're uh, paying attention to folks who are movie stars, you know, um, are there names that you care to share that you think would be because it might be helpful for people to understand, oh, that's why that person seems so crazy. Right, right. And, you know, it, we can just preface it with we don't diagnose or label anyone. I'm right. you know, I'm not qualified to do- diagnose. We don't right. want to label people because these are just people who are, I mean, honestly, in Megan speak, they have a brain, they have some brain damage or a brain yep. injury, I guess. Yep. I, it, it's, yep. it, I shouldn't say injury, but this is just how they're wired. And they didn't order it on Amazon, right? <laughs> they didn't it's, ask for it. It's right. just who they are. So, yeah, And it's invisible. It's not like they're, you know, like, it's, it's not like they're missing a leg or an arm or, you know, something like that, or they, you know, got right. something obviously that's a physical characteristic. This is, this is right. a harder thing to see. And I think that your point to labeling is really important because uh, I imagine that labeling them is the thing that probably would set them off the fastest. Bingo. Uh, so Bingo. you don't they- want to stay away from that. You want to talk in more in terms of the the, the behavior that's being exhibited at, that you're trying to influence some different behavior uh, in the workplace. Yeah, we talk about the four forget about it. Um, you forget about trying to give them insight. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to get it. So instead, you focus on what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you forget about telling them they're high conflict or have a high conflict personality or a personality disorder or they're narcissistic. Instead, mm-hmm. focus on what to do. Right. right. So um, you forget about 
trying to have a, an emotional confrontation or let's get, you know, down to the nitty gritty, those things don't work. So you have to do, you know, what does work. And um, now I've forgotten your, your question. Oh, 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 people. About, yeah. Who? Yeah. So one that's in the news right now um, is Elizabeth Holmes uh, with the Theranos case. Sure. That's a great and, example. Mm, a business case. You know, is this um, so tell people for those who don't know or haven't heard what Theranos is, it was uh, it was an entrepreneur in Silicon Valley who raised billions of dollars. Yeah, I believe was on IPO track um, and it was a blood testing uh, business. And it was the idea was that they could get blood results really fast by putting information in a machine um, Yeah, with very little tiny amount of blood. Yes. Um, and a machine that never really properly worked and um, and it seemed all good. And she had the 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 who's who of Silicon Valley venture capital is lining up um, and giving her money. And um, so then the question is, and she's in the courts is, you know, is this person sociopathic? You know, did they really did they know that once the thing didn't work that, you know, they needed to call, call it quits, but they kept going. Right. And that's what exactly it's bingo, because, it, you know, like I said, these are folks that don't stop themselves where other people would. You and I would stop or we wouldn't do that. If it's not working, we would fess up. You know, we wouldn't right. lie. We wouldn't deceive. So right. when you see, you know, she had some of the top government leaders like generals um, investing millions of dollars in this company and um, knowing that it didn't work. So there's a, there's a, I think a documentary on it. And, but I read the book yes. called bad blood and um, it was a well, well written book and, and highly investigated by the author. So um, <clears throat> as I read the book, I just watched for these four things, you know, is, is there all or nothing? Is there extreme behaviors, which is, deceiving which is asking others to lie which is you know she even wore a a, a black she was dressed in black like a black turtleneck black shoes black pants and had uh, you know she had an excuse for that and that's what they do they have excuses for everything um for all their was behaviors that the, was that the steve jobs look though was that yeah. what she was going for or was uh yeah okay it was. And, you know, I mean, there could be something to be said for that. Maybe someone else would do that, too. And they're not high conflict or for, for, for many of this. But she you look at the combination. She lowered her voice and would speak in very deep tones. Yes, I noticed <laughs> like, that. You know, it's deceitful. I mean, just just be right. you. Right? right. But the whole thing altogether, even if it started with good intentions, when it started to go south and things weren't working, then the cover up started. Mm -hmm. And she kind of had a, a partner in crime, so to speak, um, along with her. And he probably, you know, ran along those same lines. And he's, in, and he's being yeah. tried now as well, as I understand. Or, Correct. Uh, in a separate case, I guess. Yeah. Um, what about Bernie, Bernie Madoff? Yeah. Um, Common. You know, one that we bring up a lot. He's, yeah, I bet. you know, it's the same thing, you know, taking people's money and, and, you know, the con artists, <laughs> con artists are really good at what they do because they start with charm and we expect them to come, you know, with an ax. Right? <laughs> and they, they don't, they present with charm. In fact, we have this great little cartoon we use in our trainings and it's a, a cat walking along with pulling a wagon behind him. And in the wagon is a mouse <laughs> and he's like, ah, happy, happy. And there's a little mouse off to the side going, Hey, thanks stupid. Why is he being so nice to you? Right now, 
I grew up, you know, a farm girl in Nebraska and, you know, went to church and we trusted people, small town, you know, and so I was pretty naive and I got conned by a church lady once in, in my adult years, you know, the fake cancer thing. And what I learned um, and I think, you know, Bernie Madoff's investors learned is is that charm in the beginning is uh, is a red flag. Right. Uh, victim stories are a red flag. I don't know if Bernie Madoff had any of those, but um, if it's too good to be true, it's it's probably not going to pan out very well. Uh, they'll also confuse you if you ever find yourself confused by someone and you feel a strong urge to believe them or to help them or to invest with them or whatever, but there's, you know, like kind of a, Ooh, I'm not sure about that. Stories aren't matching up. Absolutely. Don't do it because right. you could be dealing with someone like this. Right. Um, yeah. I've had experience with someone who will uh, tell these stories and they, they, they're made up. They're not really true. And then they're telling someone else different stories um, and it it makes you a little crazy because you're starting to feel like you were gaslighted, uh, yes. which is a term that, you know, only people who watch the movies would know. But, yeah, it's it's, you know, being gaslit is terrible. It's it is terrible. It's it's really crazy making. And, you know, and we have people that uh, like attorneys who will come back to our trainings year after year. And I, I'm like, why are you coming to our, this training? You've already had it. You already spent the money before. Why are you doing it again? And they say, well, I've had another year of crazy making. And you, you just start to doubt yourself. And it's very stressful and very wearing. And um, I just had to come and get my head right again. <laughs> gotcha. And and so, it, you you know, if if any of your listeners out there are dealing with with someone like this within a business or, a, you know, a family or anywhere, um, you have to get support from someone who they don't, they aren't necessarily going to believe and advocate against the other person, but they um, are going to give you support and help you think straight. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, great. Well, on, on that note, Megan, it sounds like you are a go-to resource at the high conflict Institute. How do people get a hold of you? What's the best way uh, for them to learn more or reach out to you? What's. Yeah. So um, we have a, a, you know, pretty normal website, highconflictinstitute.com. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, you can find our books anywhere. And, you know, I didn't even mention our, our key communication strategies, Biff and Ear, but mm. there's books for both. One is Biff at Work, um, and that's to a really good way to communicate by email. Anytime you have to communicate in writing, it gives you a structure with high conflict people. And it's it's actually brilliant <laughs> My, this is an I, acronym for something yeah brief informative friendly and firm and nice. brief, and then informative friendly and firm sounds great love it's it fantastic and then you, yep. you check it for you know don't give advice admonishments or apologies um and then you'll stop or contain these emails from going back and forth so okay i gotta, I gotta recite brilliant. that again don't give advice remand or uh, or apologies. Apologies. Interesting. Okay. Yep. So uh, all those are, can be found on our, on our website or they're, awesome. you know, every, anywhere books are sold. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we have some really good programs for some training for HR and like the new ways for work that I mentioned to you. Um, and we do all kinds of consultations and training and, and we just launched our high conflict certification program so people can get certified and then use this in their own workplace. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I would say fabulous, but I would also say, I'm sorry, if, if you have to deal with that, it must be a handful at work. And uh, yeah, I think that, you know, I've, I've been working with systems like top grading and the who method for hiring. You might be familiar with them. They're, they're ways of basically identifying A players and weeding out the C players and either elevating B players or if they're not a fit, you know, coaching them out of the organization. And you know, I always think of these things as somewhat Darwinian. It's like survival of the fittest and the best. Um, and there's no place for people who have high conflict personalities in these companies. Um, and sometimes, you know, it, you might not know it and you might be fooled. I was um, just a quick little story. Uh, someone I know who is in a high profile position with a very large coaching organization tells a story about um, how they were interviewing a COO for their company. And um, everything looked like this was the perfect person. And they had fallen in love with this candidate um, within the first few minutes. And they followed the, this top grading process, which, lead, which is one of doing a very lengthy like three to four hour tandem interview with two, you know, two people. The whole idea is that um, by doing an interview that lasts that long, um, if people are lying or, or there's any kind of a charade, they can only hold it up for so long. Um, they went through the career history with this person in depth and they finally uncovered that a, like three bosses ago at a company that this person said he had left because he had punched the CEO out and gotten into a fight. And then suddenly it just like, it just like a ripple effect in the interview where they realized, whoa, there was a whole pattern of anger that this person had shown where he had been a victim in all these different situations. And, you know, right. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. And, and they said, do not like they did not hire this person and it, it saved them probably, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, you know, cause it was a high level position in a big company. So, you know, uh, that's really fascinating because it brings up so many things to my mind. And, and one is I've seen the best, the best top psychologists, very seasoned professionals in many industries, um, be fooled by the high conflict personality. It, it, that's why we're very specialized at High Conflict Institute. We have yep. a little something that's a little bit different. It's kind of that next level. Um, and you know, even we at HCI have been um, conned. Uh, we had we you know often get uh, requests to have interns or externs from different universities. And we love the help. So we had, uh, when we were kind of newer, we were requested, uh, someone made a request to be an, an extern for us from a very prestigious law school conflict management program. So we're like, yeah, this would be great because we were really small at the time and we needed help, right? So, right. but one of the things we do is we like to meet people in person so you can get that in-person vibe because there's a lot that our brains will tell us subconsciously, right? If you know what to look for. Um, so I went to California for, I live in Arizona and I was going to be over in, in LA. So I said, well, I'll stop on my way back and, and meet with him. 
So we met for lunch and uh, he was very calm, very nice, you know, suit and tie. Now, he also had a severe disability, which I think increased my empathy level and made me overlook possibly some other other, you know, potential issues. Um, And so everything went fine. Smart fella. I didn't really get a bad vibe. He wasn't super charming. He was just very sort of neutral. So he worked, you know, we went ahead with the externship and we worked with him for a while. Uh, He helped us do some writing and some of our books and uh, we had to take it out later. But um, one day we got notification that uh, he'd been arrested by federal authorities for um, impersonating someone or stealing someone's identity. And he'd come from another country and I guess he wanted to be, you know, a lawyer in the U.S. So he just assumed someone else's identity and and did that. So he got sentenced to 15 years in a federal penitentiary and guess who didn't show up to serve. Mm. So I say that because I want you and your listeners to understand that it's it, it can be tricky. You know, Bill, Eddie and I are pretty expert at this and we still missed it. Yeah. You know, so the, the well, so thing did is a lot of people miss Frank Abagnale, who uh, was the central character of, I think the movie's called uh, To Catch a Thief. Yeah. That Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio plays. Uh, and, so the, he, yeah. Go ahead. A lot of people miss that with him, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so. So the then the buffer the, the to, to really help yourself, you know, and what we advise all of our clients is is. Get to know someone six months, have them, you know, hire them on a provisional basis, a probational basis. And within six months, you'll see these things within a year, definitely, but probably within six months, um, whether you're, you're hiring someone or dating someone, you know, we say don't get entangled in any way financially, buying a house together, having a child together, getting married, any of that until or doing a business partnership, anything like that. until you've known them at least six months do background checks i've done background checks that were mind-blowing what i saw in front of me turns out you know was very different when i started looking at the history wow so important and so interesting and background checks is not something i've been talking about with clients at all uh, in recent years and it's pretty important especially if they're handling money or in uh in a high profile maybe customer facing position. So Megan, this has been a wonderful 45 minutes of time with you. It's been so insightful. Thank you for sharing your, your wisdom. Uh, folks, if you know someone who is dealing with uh, a person who has a high conflict personality, they suffer from one of these uh, four different types of personality disorders. Um, Megan Hunter is your go-to person at the High Conflict Institute. And if you like this show and you enjoy listening, please give us a great rating on your listening podcast application of choice. Um, Share it with friends, family members, and others. Um, And remember to continue scaling and be a disruptive successor in your business. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. 
I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.